Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. How are you this week? Doing okay? Just so-so? I get it. I hope this weekend brings you a little free time and mental wellness to do something you love. Knit a scarf, or bake a pie, or go on a run, or go on a sit and binge the show you've been meaning to watch. Pick up from a local restaurant you've never tried before. Work on some cosplay. Write a saucy fanfic. Go ghost hunting. But whatever you do, remember to drink water. Now, let's get on with the stories, shall we? First up this week is from the illustrious Andre Matthews, host of Bruh is a Murder, which was just featured on Harper Bazaar's list of 17 true crime podcasts for the genre's biggest fans. I've been telling you to go listen to his show for forever, so I am so happy one of the biggest magazines in the country has shown them some recognition. Andre has a beautiful way of blending the horrors of war with the horrors of the supernatural, and he has done it again. This is Ticks. Patient 67104, Corporal F. Go ahead. Thank you for the coffee, by the way. It's the first good cup I've had in a while. So I guess it's my turn to get uh, interviewed. Huh. I've seen some shit, but half of these fucks in here. Jesus Christ. Corporal, please stay on topic. We're talking about you, not the others. You can call me... You know. I won't. Now, please. We both know how sensitive time is. I'm going to assume that was a clever joke on your end. I was stationed in Syria. Nine months down. Three more to go. We actually weren't that active. Barely took contact. Never given missions, really. When my platoon was tasked to capture an HVT, a high-value target, we were... We were hyped as fuck. Intel passed along the bare minimum. A description and a drone picture of a building. A three-story apartment complex in the center of a destroyed town. Everything surrounding it was rubble, so all we had to worry about was the building. The plan was for First Squad to breach the front door and secure the bottom floor. The squad I was in... uh, second squad was going to secure the basement level third squad would secure the second floor then we'd leave the basement and push up to the third floor meanwhile fourth squad would cover the entrance and the exit I think we rehearsed like 30 times before it was actually time to step off 
Timely clocked. What? After checking all the gear and back briefing all the information, we set off with, uh, with a convoy. It was a clear night. I actually, I remember enjoying the ride. When we pulled up to the town, we all dismounted um, out of the vehicle and got into our positions. Everyone was on their shit. Every single person. You didn't hear not a sound until Garcia and First Squad stuck the C4 to the front door and blasted it in. Then they were in. First floor, clear. On hearing that, my squad rushes in with weapons at the ready. I remember taking one look at the horizon. I noticed that the sun should be rising any minute now. This was going to be one hell of a wake-up. The basement was located under the stairs leading to the first floor. It was already opened. We flowed down, and that was when my sergeant yelled, Short room. And at the same time, we heard, Second floor, clear. I turned around and led the movement up to the third floor. My heart was beating out of my chest. I mean, fuck. No one's found anyone yet. Dude's got to be hiding on the third floor unless Intel screwed up. On the way, I passed by the men and women I've known for years. <laughs> Some of the best idiots I've ever met. I wish I had pictures. Or something. Just anything other than the images of them I have burned in my head now. We go up the stairs and there were holes in the wall and some blood spatter, like a fight happened. On the top floor, there were three rooms where the six were, to split off into pairs and breach each room at once. As soon as I stepped foot through the doorway is when I heard it. The ticks. Every second. Tick, 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 like a clock. At that moment, I thought it was just in my head. Sergeant Bolton and I moved to the room at the end of the hallway, and every step I took, tick, 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 tick. I readied my weapon as he kicked the door open, and I saw them. Bodies littered the floor, and they were mutilated, ripped to shreds, with pieces thrown all over the room. In the center of the room stood a thing. It was the size of a man, but thin and spindly. It was black all over, other than his face. Have you seen Alice in Wonderland? Remember the cat? Its face was like that, but upside down. Tick. In a blink, it was fully facing me. It was five feet in front of me. My weapon was hot, as if I'd already unloaded my magazine. I pulled the trigger, and... Nothing. It was empty. It's 
standing five feet in front of me, staring into me with eyes devoid of life. Sergeant Bolton slammed the door in front of me, pulling me back. Its head appeared smashed through the door, and it, it turned to look at me, and I swear, I heard a fucking giggle. We ran to the room next door. One was in there, and it had Murphy by the throat, blood running down his neck, and Blackman was face down in a pool of blood. All of a sudden, we were standing in front of another room, sweating and out of breath. We saw two in this room, both on their knees, eating the remainder of my squad. They were standing in front of us, internals dripping from their mouth. I heard a wet crunch and a pained groan. One of those things plunged its hand through Bolton's chest and screamed and... I was in the stairwell, heading down to the second floor. I was in shock. I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I was standing in the center of the second floor surrounded by the corpses of my friends. I didn't know what was happening. I fell to the ground and started screaming at the top of my lungs. I felt them around me. I was on my feet mid-run when I tripped over a corpse. It was Chasey's body. He was still holding his rifle with the grenadier. I grabbed it along with his ammo pack. I was on my feet finger on the trigger, staring at least six in the face. I know there's an incendiary round loaded. I thought, if I'm dying, I'm taking every last fucker with me. I'm laying on my back, at the bottom of the stairs. I see the fire in the floor above me. I roll over and I feel a sharp pain in my side. I have a slash there, and it's bleeding pretty bad. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I'm screaming. They're all dead. Every single last one of them. Out of my peripheral. I see those things. Smoke coming off of it. It's closer, and there's more. They're closer. Hands in the air, and these fucked grins. I'm out of the front door. I'm on my back. Rolling backwards. I, I've been cut again. They're coming toward me. I look at them, dead in their faces, as I load another incendiary round. I raised it up and pull the trigger of the round hits them, and they go up in flames along with the rest of the building. I lie on my back, feeling the heat from the flames, and awaiting the next tick, which would probably be my death. The sun should have been up by then. It was just as dark as when we first got there, and... Fourth squad was still outside, standing by the Humvees. They didn't move. They weren't moving. It was 
like they were frozen in time. Then I heard the echo giggling behind the burning building's flames. The demonic giggling from those things. Fourth squad unfroze. And they looked at me in horror. After getting released from medical, I was immediately placed under arrest. They blamed me for my platoon's massacre. I don't blame them. My story of time demons didn't really sit well with anyone. The only issue they had was trying to explain was how I killed the HVT, murdered my platoon, and burned down a building all without a squad of soldiers knowing it. All within five minutes. Do you still hear the ticks, Corporal? Recently, yeah. I've heard them. And I see them. Outside the windows. They can't get inside, though. This next story is from a new author to the show, Matthew David Self, and this is Auras. There was a reason why all things were failing. There was a reason that no one felt safe anymore. There was a reason why you said your goodbyes to those you loved, to those you didn't, and even to those you hated. There was a reason why everything seemed hopeless. There was a reason for all of the chaos and despair and strife. There was a reason as to why they all died. In the beginning, all seemed normal and right with the world as we knew it. Humans continued living the way they had always done. They expanded their domain and dominion over other aspects of life here on Earth. They did what they had to do to survive and thrive as a species. The sheer tenacity and unwillingness to give in to the chaos of nature let them live much longer than they ever should have lived in the first place. Numerous attempts to thwart humanity over the many tens of thousands of years had taken place. And it shall come to pass, afterward, that all the attempts were in vain. Humanity had been too strong and too willful. That spark of life and desire and that simple spark of belief in themselves hoisted humanity through the ages. Those survival elements led humanity to fight oppression, to overcome fears, and to make things better and more sustainable for themselves. 
Rarely a selfless thought occurred to humanity when true suffering of the earth would be involved. Nature would prevail in the end. Now the earth was corrupt, and humanity had taken too much from the earth. That unshakable force that was humanity could not be easily brought down. It would take a pressure like none other to bring down humanity and to stop its tyranny and oppression of nature. Humanity's quest for power and survival would be the downfall of Earth. Nature, with help, would be that pressure. Cities will crumble and rulers will fall helplessly begging for strength and life. None shall ever be granted again to humanity. This is the story of how they fell. You know, one thing I've always struggled with is finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. Plus, I am not the best with numbers. But now, I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. And I know you do not have the time or mental bandwidth to deal with customer service, but don't worry, they'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. That's rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Mom, what's going on? Hopefully nothing. I'm taking Dad to the hospital. He's having trouble breathing, my mom said with labored breathing herself. I saw a worried look in her eyes. I also saw her aura shake and falter and flash to a muted color of what it was usually. I had always been able to sense things about others, and I never really talked about it. It had just been something that always was for me. It was normal for me. I looked to my dad, whose aura was blackening ever so slowly. It had been for days now. Now the aura was bleeding into my mother's aura. The worry, based on what I could see, was already affecting things in ways I didn't know how to describe or deal with. And now her aura was giving way to my dad's sickly aura. As I grew older, I started seeing more and more things seemingly in the supernatural realm. 
Online searches only led to so much information, which typically wasn't too much. I didn't know anyone else that I could talk to either about what I saw. I need you to stay here with your sister. Let her know things will be okay. I love you, Bradley. She said, with tears filling the brims of her eyes. I saw her quickly look away again and begin to lead my dad out of the house to the car. I wish I didn't always have to see the truth about things with my ability. A feeling of complete dread and terror washed over me. It seeped into my pores and shivers ran through my entire body. I felt sick and nauseous and I had to sit down in the middle of the floor to gather myself. The whole room darkened in my vision. I saw my mother taking a quick glance at me while she was helping my dad through the door, but continued quickly out. I felt sad and like a terrible loss was going to happen. I immediately thought of my dad and I felt lonely and forsaken. Something terrible was going to happen. I wiped tears away from my eyes and I stood back up. My thoughts went to the coronavirus, which had been going on since maybe February in the United States. I wasn't sure of the exact day. It may have actually been going on earlier, if you believe some news sources. I hadn't known anyone who had actually been affected by the coronavirus until possibly now, and I hadn't been worried until I saw my mom worrying now. Bradley? What's happening? My younger sister Emily asked nervously. I looked up and saw her aura as bright white and yellow as it ever was, enveloping her whole form. She was always so happy. Everything's okay, I lied. Mom had to take Dad to the hospital. He'll be fine, though. Emily gave me a look like she didn't believe me, and she was right for not believing me. I want to be with them. You can drive now. Let's go. Emily pulled on my shirt and tried to get me to move from where I was standing. Her aura flickered for a second. Auras seemed to do that before they might change colors and inevitably the mood of the individual. I can't do that. I'll get in trouble, I said loudly back to her. No, you won't. Let's go. A flash of bright red came from her. Stop asking. No, I'm scared and Mama left too fast. Darker red filtered over her usual white and yellow aura. We cannot go, Emily. Yes, Bradley. Emily shouted in my ear. A bright red and white light pervaded my view. My head began to hurt from the intentions Emily was putting out. The light was pulsing out from her. I had yet to really figure out how to not pay attention to other people's emotions. No! I yelled back. Emily fumed at me and wouldn't stop. Yes, Bradley! Emily sure knew how to throw a temper tantrum. She kept pulling on me to get ready and go after mom and dad. Bright tendrils, completely red now reached out to me from her hands and injected themselves into my being, my own aura. It stopped me in my tracks, and I realized I had to give in. Fine, 
but I'm blaming you when I get in trouble. Emily didn't respond, and I went to grab my keys. I was more comfortable with leaving now that the stay-at-home orders had been lifted. That was about all I had paid attention to once that was known. I was ready to get back to life as normal. Get in the car. Emily and I got into my new BMW, and we started driving to the hospital. Honey, stay with me, Mary said worriedly. Mark gave a gasp of a response and continued trying to breathe. As Mark breathed, crepitated sounds came from his mouth as his lungs strived to work. Mary kept darting her eyes back and forth from the road to her husband. She knew she needed to focus to be able to get into the hospital in time. Within a matter of minutes, they were able to get to the parking deck of Williamson Memorial Hospital. The patient parking spot happened to be empty, and Mary swerved into the spot, almost hitting the car in the space beside her. Rushing out, she banged her shoulder on the car door and cursed. Mark pushed the door open slightly with what strength he could muster. The lower levels of oxygen in his blood brought him down considerably in being able to move or do much of anything. Mark desperately pulled himself up from his seat just as Mary put her arm around his torso to help him walk. The two went straight for the emergency room doors. What they entered into was chaos. People were in all of the chairs and tens of people were sprawled out on the floor. Nurses and aides were rushing back and forth from the patient rooms to talking with patients in the waiting room to going elsewhere in the hospital, it seemed. Some people were breathing loudly, trying to breathe just like Mark. There were a few people who were staring into space as if they were catatonic or simply couldn't do anything else. Mary pushed through the crowd with Mark at her side. People side-eyed her and a couple of people huffed and puffed as she forced her way through. Coming upon the reception desk, the receptionist was on the phone and Mary had to wait to speak, unfortunately. Sir, we are overcrowded already. It is advised for your safety and health to take your husband to Southeast Regional. She paused. Yes, I understand, but he will wait longer here, and we are not at a point where we can guarantee anything. She waited again. We are following standard protocol as well as CDC protocol, and we are doing the best we can among this never-before-seen crisis. I am going to have to let you... Interrupted, she stopped again. I'm sorry, sir. It is your choice, and I must go now. The man started yelling at the receptionist. As she heard the man's voice through the receiver, she hung up the phone. Apologies, who do you need to check in? The receptionist was short and quick. My husband can't breathe. He needs help now. He's raspy, and he struggles to be able to do anything. I don't understand how he... Mary staggered quickly over her words. The receptionist cut her off as she had the man on the phone. Take a seat. We'll get him triaged in a moment. It will be a while, though. We have used all the ER rooms and a multitude of beds out in the hallways. There is a setup occurring in another part of the hospital, but that will take a little longer. Can't... Can you do anything for him now? He could die, Mary forcefully said to the receptionist. The receptionist gave a cold, emotionless look to Mary. She beckoned with her hand to a wall beside the door. Have a seat. 
or I will have the hospital guards escort you out without your husband. Mary gave a look of shock at the lady. She had heard about family not being allowed with their ill family members, but she didn't think it could happen to her. She gave a frustrated look as she took Mark gently over to the spot on the floor she had been beckoned to. The long, crackly sound continued coming from Mark with his labored breathing. Mary tried comforting him as best as she could. Unfortunately, there was not much that she could do there on the floor of the hospital without any medical assistance. Mary looked at the rest of the floor people, and she realized multiple people were in the same boat as them. She had completely ignored them up until this point. Finally, a nurse rushed to their side. Name and date of birth of the patient? Uh, Mark Dryman, February 2nd, 1981. The nurse wrote down the name and date of birth quickly and pulled out a mobile oximeter. What symptoms has he had? Um, he can hardly breathe. He can't keep any food down, and he's been running a fever on and off. Mary saw 86% pop up on the screen of the oximeter. Is 86% bad? Has he been in contact with anyone who has the coronavirus? No. We have been literally at home for two months before the stay-at-home order was put into place. Now, is is 86 bad? I can't tell you that, ma'am. He said as he pulled out a stethoscope. He listened to Mark's lungs for about 10 seconds before jotting down some more notes. Please, wait here. We'll have more beds shortly. Once he goes back, you will need to leave and no family may visit. Please ensure he has a phone to be able to communicate with you. The nurse stood up from Mark as he spoke and rushed away back into the ER rooms. Mary had no chance to ask any more questions or demand immediate treatment. She began tearing up at the thought of care and what might happen to her husband. The reality of this disease was hitting her, and she wondered why it had to be her husband. Mary knew for a fact everyone had been stuck inside the house. They had only bought food that came sealed, any other household items they needed. Mary specifically made sure each of them were wiped down with hospital-grade wipes she had been able to get a hold of for extreme care and caution. Washing hands multiple times a day and after, even after, family interactions were mandatory. She had probably gone overboard, but she even had air filters running in the house alongside essential oil diffusers with specific oils to cleanse the air. Mark weakly started. Shh, Mark. Save your energy. They'll get you back in soon, Mary said, still holding Mark and comforting him. What was she going to do if they couldn't get him back? Worry blanketed Mary's whole being, but she desperately tried remaining optimistic for her husband. Whoa. There was a glow of black and green surrounding the hospital. I didn't know how I'd be able to manage getting inside with all that energy surrounding it. I had to push forward through for Emily and for mom and dad. The aura coming from the hospital stretched about a quarter mile outside of it. 
As soon as I drove into it, nausea crept up slowly within me. I hope Dad is alright, Bradley. I do too, Emily. I do too. Getting closer to the hospital was harder on my body. I began to have trouble breathing, it seemed, and there was a weight upon me, this feeling that grew inside of me from the infectious energy stemming from the hospital was similar to the one of dread I had experienced earlier. I suddenly noticed the radio had been turned on by Emily. The news? Is there no music? I don't know. Let me check. Emily started changing the stations. Cases have spiked in the past. She turned the dial. There are new symptoms as of... Emily turned the dial again. Leave it on the next one. I repeat, the coronavirus has been confirmed to be transmitted in almost every medium of transmission. People are seemingly becoming infected without having any contact with other infected. New symptoms are being associated with coronavirus as well. There have been tens of thousands of new cases in the last day. The coronavirus is wiping away immune systems. It is advised that you stay in Turn it off, Emily. Only I looked at her briefly while we were at a stoplight. Emily didn't listen. The majority of hospitals in the United States have become overcrowded and cannot accept any more patients regardless of health status. Please do your best to stay home. And if you get sick, call medical professionals at the following number. They are standing by with advice for those new patients that can't get into a hospital. Shit, Emily. I thought things were getting better with the stay-at-home orders lifted. I looked over and saw her staring silently out into space. Her aura shifted to a dull yellow and purple hue. She was getting sad and possibly scared. I couldn't blame her after listening to that. But I could blame her for not turning it off. I was getting more worried about multiple things, though, now that I was closer to the hospital. I felt like I was going to puke. The energies in the area were like a thick fog in the morning. Instead of driving easily through those, though, I felt like I was being pulled and tugged back as the car took me further into the aura of the hospital. There was only one more red light. I stopped and turned on my left blinker. I was curious how it looked outside of the aura. My jaw dropped open as I looked back and saw the aura had not just changed around the hospital anymore, but it had spread out, and the whole city was this way. The green and black aura hung heavily over the skyline. I snapped back to attention and began turning into the hospital parking deck. Help me find a spot, Emily. I looked past her to the parking lots and I noticed Emily's aura had started blending with the black and green aura that was all around us. An ugly hue came off of her, which I had never seen before. It's like the energy of the aura tangled itself in her good nature and started changing her. Hey, are you okay? Concerned among the nausea and oncoming headache I was getting. I saw tears welling up in her eyes and start to pour down her face. No, Bradley. I... I feel sad. Like, something bad is going to happen. Where are Daddy and Mommy? 
I worried for her, and for me, and for mom, and for dad. Something didn't feel right here at all. I couldn't find a parking spot, so I just parked in the middle of the aisle. I was feeling terrible and might need to go to the ER myself. Come on, Emily. She gave me a strange look for parking in the aisle, but I waved her over to me anyway from the path to the ER doors. As she came to me, I held her hand, and we began walking slowly. The aura made it extremely difficult to move. I had to keep pressing on, though. My nausea was the strongest it had ever been due to me being affected by auras or energies or... At this point, who knows what it was exactly. My headache had grown to be a splitting headache. It felt like my head was going to be torn in two right down the middle. We got to the door and my vision was so dim. It was hard to make out shapes of the door or interior... I saw black with green tinted hues everywhere through the windows of the waiting room. I reached for the handle of the door, and black tendrils of energy shot through me with a stabbing pain at multiple points in my arm. I froze for a second and felt a pat on my arm. Bradley, what's going on? I'm scared. There... There are people laying everywhere, and it looks like there is blood and boogers everywhere. I feebly nodded my head in response and realized I didn't even notice the normal colors of the world now. I pulled the door towards me, and a sickly green aura flew past me. I threw up in my mouth a little and spit it out onto the concrete beside me. I didn't care that I was at a hospital. As soon as I looked back, I saw Mom over Dad on the floor. I also saw something else. Terror of the unknown struck a chord within me. The dread I felt earlier was back and my body locked up tight and refused to cooperate. The nausea and the headache pain were suddenly more than I could bear. I broke down crying profusely. There was... A being above my dad. It was tall and sinewy. It oozed black energy from itself as it stood there over him. I desperately wanted to run away, but I couldn't. Its presence locked my gaze towards it. It reached a hand into the air. Three long, black, wispy fingers flew down faster than I could see and pierced my dad's chest. It moved the three fingers out from the center of its palm, and a hole opened up in my dad. I could see his waning white and gold aura almost changed completely, surrounded by that sickly green energy that tinted everywhere I had been at this point. I wanted to scream, to lash out, to do something. I tried willing my body to move or willing the energies to clear from my dad in the area. The being noticed my attempts and slowly lifted its pitch black head to me. Its eyes opened, and the color of its eyes were sickly green. At that moment, I collapsed to my knees. In a thin, whispery voice, I heard it say, 
As it spoke, light green mist seeped from its mouth. I saw my mom tremble and fall to the ground when that happened. I couldn't tell if she was dead or alive at that moment, and I panicked further. The being began slowly moving towards me. Its arms dangled like a rag doll. I felt something pop inside my brain. The pain from my headache went all over my body. Blood started dripping down my face from both nostrils as it came closer. As it passed others sitting in their seats, the people slouched over unconscious. It was almost to me. Except, it wasn't coming for me. It was coming for Emily. Please don't hurt Emily, I thought. The being ignored my thoughts. Emily had been frozen the whole time I had been. The being's black energy drifted away from it. Some wisps latching onto people and some wisps of energy just flying away to the rest of the outside world. It bent down slowly, with its head meeting Emily's. I could see her suddenly struggling to breathe as its head came to touch hers. Emily's aura went gray and she tensed up. Her chest and throat bulged outwards as thick blood slowly fell out of her mouth. My face went into a shocked expression as it then began to look towards me. A sudden flash of green swept through me. Another pop in my head happened. I could feel my shirt being soaked with my blood. The being was face to face with me. I started noticing more details than I had before. It had black wisps of energy flowing inside of it, and there was a green wisp of energy deep down inside, swirling wildly as if it had a life of its own. Suddenly, black and green horns sprouted from its head. It opened its mouth as if to speak, but there was no more movement. In my head, I heard, The time has come for humanity to perish. You see what is truly happening, but you will never understand it. Your time has come. I heard a gasp from the being before me, but the sound of the gasp was contained within itself, as if it was coming from somewhere else entirely. The sickly green mist flew out from its mouth and swallowed me whole. My aura was already transitioning from its usual colors to the green, but I then noticed something else. My aura was fading away entirely. It wasn't just changing, but it was going away. It was being completely and utterly destroyed. I fell the rest of the way to the floor as the being continued latching onto my face. I noticed it raising its three fingers up towards the ceiling. Another flash, 
and another onslaught of pain shooting through my body. I saw a circle of the purest white light I had ever seen appear above me as if it was a portal to somewhere. A figure showed itself briefly, and at that untimely moment, I began to understand as my vision faded to black. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's stories. I had so much fun producing both of these. Um, Andre, you owe me a bag of cough drops because making all those monster noises did a number on me. Um, remember to follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr, Reddit, Facebook. We're having a fun discussion over on Facebook right now about what uh, ghost from history you would want to talk to the most. Um, so join the Facebook group, join in. Um, I think that's about it for tonight. Um, yeah. So go get some sleep, sweet dreams. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.